Well, as many of you know, we've been in a, in a series called Friction, and I thought I'd take a little break from that, it being Thanksgiving week, and, and sort of change up a little bit about what we've been talking about. However, I do realize that I could have still called this sermon Friction, because in some houses on Thanksgiving, there is a little bit of friction, and, and those that have experienced a little bit of that. You know, there may be new folks in the family or folks that aren't there anymore or or uh, this is your first Thanksgiving with new folks or without people that have been there for a long, long time. And I know that that causes friction, good and bad, in a lot of, uh, a lot of gatherings on big holidays like Thanksgiving. But today we're going to talk a little bit about, imagine that, being grateful. And being thankful in everything. And, and being grateful in the grind. Grateful in the grind. And as I introduce this idea to you, I'm guessing that a lot of you may be able to relate on one level or, or another. For so much of our lives, we live under this illusion that there's something more. That there's something greater. There's something just around the corner. Something out there that, that's coming that really, really matters. And it matters more than, well, just what I'm doing right now. And there's something around the corner that's going to make a difference. It's that thing that you desire. It's that event that I'm looking for. It's that whatever it is. It's that something that's going to bring meaning and fulfillment, and give me that significant moment in time that I've been looking for. It's, it's not here, but it's somewhere. It's coming. There's got to be something more. And all these different things that you think about, when and then, and, and when we find ourselves in whatever season we're in, we're wishing the current season away almost, waiting for the next one to come, that, that one day around the corner that, that there'll be that something. And we, we don't find contentment in our here and now. We're waiting for that achievement, that accomplishment, that friendship, that possession, that vacation. There'll be that something that fills the emptiness inside. But around every corner, as you continue to search for this elusive something, around every corner, there's another challenge. There's another goal, another vision, another dream, or another perceived prize. And what I've noticed that in so much of our lives, and in so much in my life, when we pursue what we want, my dreams, my passions, my goals, and whatever it is that I'm able to get, we always think that there's got to be something else. It never satisfies. There's got to be something else out there that's better. Something better than what I have right now. It's got to be right around the corner. It has to be. And you know what culture does, right? Culture feeds totally and completely into this mindset, right? Every commercial, every advertisement, everything you see on social media, it all just says, you know what? Hey, gratify yourself. I mean... Indulge yourself. Get whatever you want. You deserve it. Treat yourself, right? Treat yourself. You deserve it. The problem is that Jesus tells us, if you want to follow me, don't treat yourself. He says, deny yourself. I mean, that's what he said. He said, if you want to be my disciple, you don't indulge yourself. You deny yourself. 
And then he said, further, he said, you take up your cross, a metaphor or a picture to say that you're actually dying to your own fleshly desires, dying to the things that you want so you can live by my spirit, he says. He said, follow me. Remember that? He didn't say treat yourself. He said, deny yourself. And there's a verse that I want to use as kind of an anchor verse for our message today. And it's from the Apostle Paul. And we'll talk a little bit about the Apostle Paul this morning as we get through this. And he says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you have your Bibles or your apps this morning, or we'll have a really big one up here on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse 31. And I listen for that sound still. I know a lot of people have it on your app these days, but I listen for those pages turning. And that's, a, that's music to my ears. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, he says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Does that mean uh, everything? Yeah, that means whatever you do. Whether you're doing laundry, (laughs) whether you're picking kids up from their events, you're running errands for your boss, you're doing something that isn't that big of a deal, so to speak. Whatever you do, Do it for the glory of God. We're talking about contentment, thankfulness in all things. So whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And if we look at so much of our lives, if we're really honest, whatever we do, whatever we do, we do it mostly for ourselves. If we're honest with ourselves and with our God. We do it mostly for ourselves. We want to do what makes me happy. We want to do what makes me feel good, right? We want to do that. Well, I don't like that, so I'm not going to do that. And we do what fulfills my dreams, what fulfills my wants and desires. I want to do what I want to do, pastor. I need my own self-gratification because we find our worth in what we do. And Jesus says that you deny yourself. Whatever you do to have real meaning in life, you do it for the glory of God. And here's what I'm beginning to recognize, this truth, that the prize isn't out there somewhere. You all right with that? The prize isn't out there somewhere. The prize isn't what you accomplish occasionally. The prize is in what you do daily when you do it for the glory of God. I want to say that again because I wanted to really sink in this morning. The prize is not what you accomplish occasionally. You all right with that? Oh, I got the raise. I got the thing. I took the trip. I found the person. I, uh, the prize is not what you accomplish occasionally. The prize is in what you do daily when you do it for the glory of God. And so I want to ask you three quick questions of this morning. And I'll tell you in advance that these questions are going to become statements that are going to drive everything that we talk about in our message today. Three questions. Let's start with this. What if? What if? I say what if. Y'all are great. What if? Three questions. What if the work is the reward? Get your head around that for a minute. What if the work is the reward? Secondly, what if the prize is the process? And thirdly, what if you can be grateful in the grind? 
What if whatever you do, you can find meaning and fulfillment and divine satisfaction when you do it all for the glory of God? And I want to show you a text that's very personal to me, actually, by, again, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians still, but over in chapter 15 and verse 9. You get over there, and it's a few chapters later, and this is what Paul says. He's being kind of transparent here, and maybe even a little bit vulnerable the Apostle Paul. He says in verse 9, I'm the least of the apostles. And it's interesting to find the Apostle Paul's life and what he calls himself in each of the letters that he has written. You get a chance, go back and read that, and you'll see that I, Paul, the Apostle, and then eventually Paul comes, you know what, I'm the least of these apostles. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle, he says, because I persecuted the church of God. In other words, Paul says, before I was a Jesus follower, I was really, really bad. He says, I hated Christians so much that I even killed them. And then he says in verse 10, he says what Paul's, one of Paul's favorite words throughout all of the scriptures, it has three words and it starts in verse 10. Everybody say it together. But, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. But, he says, this is my story. By the grace of God, I am what I am because his grace to me was not without effect. For many of you, that's your story. You weren't good. You weren't faithful. You're not what you want to be. You're not what you need to be. You're not what you are. You're you're just not before the grace of God. And you're now what you are, not because you're good, but because he's good. Now you're becoming who he wants you to be. Because his grace for you was not without effect. When you come in contact with the grace of God, something is going to be different. You're either going to accept it or reject it. And when you do reject it, that's your decision. And you will be different because of it. The sad thing is that there are some of you are here today that his grace has been without effect because it hasn't touched your heart yet. You haven't yet been changed by it. And the good news is this morning you're in the right place and you're here at the right time to be available for God to work in your heart. And maybe your story today might become uh, but by the grace of God, I am, new, I am now who I am. And Paul goes on to say this, and I love what he says. He goes, no, he says, I worked harder than all of them. I am only what I am by the grace of God, and I worked harder than any of the rest of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. And what did he just say? He goes, I wasn't any good. But the grace of God transformed me. And because of who Jesus is, and because of what he did, Paul says, I worked hard. And I worked harder than the rest of them, but it wasn't me doing the work. It was the grace of God through me doing God what, doing what God called me to do. Paul says, I worked harder than all of them. And this, this verse ministers to me on so many different levels. And what I like about it is, I don't think that the Apostle Paul here was, was necessarily bragging. I don't think he was 
bragging or, or complaining. I think he was just stating the truth, sort of matter of fact. Paul, he said, whatever I did, I just got to work. I worked hard. I've been so transformed by Jesus Christ because of who he is and what he did. I just got to work. Whatever I did, I was doing it for his glory, and I just worked harder than all of them. I I can't even begin to imagine the depths of the sacrifices that the Apostle Paul would have made. In fact, I would give anything kind of to go back in time if I could and like just sit down, you know, brother to brother with the Apostle Paul. You know, like by a fire pit somewhere, just with our feet up. You know, and, and Paul would be drinking wine. I'd be drinking Diet Coke because I don't drink wine. But, you know, you know, he's, he's, we're just kind of hanging back. That's what they drank back then, y'all. And we would just be hanging back and chatting. And I would go, you know, Paul, kind of like unpack this for me. Help me out here, Paul. I mean, tell me what you mean by that, you know. Just guy to guy, you know, follower to follower. What do you mean you worked harder? And I wonder if he might say something like, you know what, I'm not bragging, but you know, while the other people went to bed, I probably stayed up a little longer and prayed and sort of listened for the voice of God. And while everybody else, it was easier for them to turn on the TV, it it was more for me to just read the word. And it was more for me to, you know, just to get get to get going a little bit earlier and to start the day. I didn't do I'm not bragging, Paul says. I just open God's word and I, and I read it constantly. And Paul is the one who told, who told the churches and tells us today to pray without ceasing, right? And Paul gets that. And Paul would say, you know, when most desire comfort, I realized that following Jesus was not going to be comfortable all the time. You know, I was beaten and I had to go on. I was shipwrecked and I was like, well, you just move on. One time I was bitten by a poisonous snake. I didn't particularly like that, but I shook it off, as the scripture says. And you know, that just kind of, we just move on. While others took a shortcut, I tried to do the right thing. I memorized, Paul would say, I would memorize God's word. I hide it in my heart and I let it renew my mind. I focused on his word. And if Paul really wasn't being any humble guy like he was, if Paul was really sort of maybe bragging a little, he might tell me, you know what? And I wrote like over half of the New Testament too, by the way. I just did that. Thank you. I imagine him saying, you know what? I was in prison. I kept working. I served Jesus while I was in prison. We went to cities that didn't have a single Christian. And we managed to start churches in cities without a single believer. We'd lead someone to Christ and then someone else and and they'd tell someone else. We'd raise up leaders and we didn't have a lot of resources. We just got to it and got the job done. And that's what Paul's saying. I just worked harder than everyone else. And I think if you can look at this objectively and sort of take a step back, what you would find is that you would probably say Paul was not what I said in the beginning, wishing his current season away, looking for something more, something better, something bigger. Wherever Paul was, he was all in. He was all there. When he was in prison, he didn't say, well, one day when I get out of here, oh man, I'm going to make a difference. No. He said, whatever you do, I'm going to do it for the glory of God. If there's someone chained to me, I'm going to be a witness to that person right now. If I'm in prison or I'm in, I'm in captivity or whatever, you, you give me a pen and give me some paper. I'm writing the letter to the Philippians because they need it. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. When he was shipwrecked, you know what he didn't say? Oh, well, God let me down. I mean, I prayed for protection, and here I am, shipwrecked again. 
He's like, you know what? Hey, guys, we didn't die. Newsflash. Let's, let's keep on. We might as well keep on going. God must still be with us. We're still here. Whenever Barnabas turned on him, he didn't go, oh, man, I can't take these Christians anymore. Can't trust any of them, man. I'm out of that Sunday school class. Barnabas let me down and hurt my feelings, so I'm not going back. No, Paul said, you know what? I don't have time for that. I, I don't have time to be bitter. I don't have time for all that because we still have work to do. And Paul said, whatever it is I'm doing, I'm doing it for the glory of God. And I don't know how that will apply to you in your life for whatever you do. But whatever you do, you're making sales calls, you're changing diapers, you're doing laundry, you're doing something for your boss, your teacher says to do this or that, you get all of these things, you say this in that moment at this time, even though it might not be incredibly like wonderful and and big and huge from the outside, I'm doing it with integrity, I'm doing it with a purity of heart, with the heart of a servant, and I'm declaring that this task is now for the glory of God. I don't care what it is. I don't care if you're in the hospital. I don't care if you're pushing a cart. I don't care if you're waiting tables. You say, you know what? This is for the glory of God. And then when you start to realize that maybe the work is the reward. And maybe the prize is in the process. And everyday life, when you're grinding it out in everyday life, just doing normal, sort of mundane in your eyes things, you can say, I can be grateful in the middle of the grind. The, the work is the reward. The true reward. Three enemies of the true reward. I'm going to run through these and we'll be done. Unfortunately, some of you will know these enemies as I do. The enemies of the true reward. The first one is what I call uh, the pillow. The pillow. And the, the pillow is the seduction of comfort, right? Ah, oh, we want to rest. How many love those hotel pillows, right? You pile them up and you, oh. It's the seduction of comfort. The pillow, and I don't know how this plays out in your life, but at some point, it, it might be what you really need to be happy and comfortable is is the next thing, right? It's, it's just a better home, somewhere better to live. I mean, you know, you have seen my place, Pastor. I mean, if I could just get somewhere better. And I don't know if it is that for you. You know, we just want to be comfortable first, and then we'll get about the business of God. Right now, it's kind of rough, kind of rocky. No, 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 the the work is the reward. And then fill in the blanks with the kind of thing that you need, that that you're desiring. Oh, man, I don't have walk-in closets. When I get walk-in closets, oh, man, I don't have grand account. When I can get the countertops done, when I can get that addition on, gas stove, I would just love to turn it on and, when I'm comfortable, pastor, whatever it is, if I just had that, then I'd be happy. The desire for comfort, the same, it's a material things a lot of times. Maybe it's the car, you know, and, and years ago, I just, you know, I needed the car that the windows went down when I did this. Because my windows used to go down when I do this. Kids are like, what's he talking about? That used to affect me when I pull up to the toll booth, right? You're driving along and you're like, oh no. And you're trying to crank like this and you're trying to get it down. Anybody relate to those old windows? Remember those? Anybody? We didn't always push a button. 
And then, oh man, if I just had a little bit better, once I get this vehicle thing cleared up, then I'm going to be, because I drive this old thing past, you know, you've seen, you've ridden in my car, you've, you've put your foot to the floorboard, you know it's not. So once I get comfortable in that, then I'll start serving. I'll be, I'll be all, I'll be all available to God. But until I have that one, and that, maybe be a sunroof would be nice, right? A little bit of comfort, maybe, you know, and then the butt warmers on the, on the seats, you know, like you flick the thing. Oh my goodness. Now I've arrived. Now I got what I need. Then I'll be happy. Or maybe if I was the boss, once I get this promotion thing out of the way, and then then I'll have more time to serve God. And that's when I'll make myself available to God. The work is the reward. Hear me this morning. You'll understand that God never calls you to easy. Necessarily to comfort. He calls you to deny yourself. Easy never changed the world. And the pillow cries out. It's the seduction of comfort. The next thing is the shiny thing. Some of you know what I'm talking about. The shiny thing. The allure of constant distractions. You know, what's, you know, here, what's important, Pastor, is the bing. Oh, I got a notification. Hang on. I have, oh, look at that. I wonder what, I wonder what they posted. Oh, look at that. Now I'm going to like that. Next thing you know, you're sucked right in and the important is gone. Well, you know, Pastor, I mean, I just sat on the on the couch the other day and I'm watching the Netflix and I mean, then they come up with these suggestions. I'm like, well, you know what? I would be I would like that. And you choose the next one and the next one and the next one. We overprogram ourselves and we then then we overprogram our kids because we're so distracted by all of these things. You know, we're distracted and it's not only technology and and pull your feet in a little, but we're distracted because you know what? Well, we got to have little Johnny in the elite travel soccer league. If he's going to get a scholarship to the NCAA, we have to do that. I I know church and I know God, I'll I'll be with you in a minute. But right now, I mean, I know he's only three years old, but when we got to sign him up, he's got to be all in and travel. We got to get him involved in this thing. It's the shiny thing. It's the carrot that the donkey continues to chase. The carrot, you never seem to find real satisfaction because you've been fooled by the shiny thing. And you think, oh, oh, I got to do this first. And you're distracted. The last thing is the towel. The towel. There's an enemy called the towel, the perpetual temptation to quit, to give it up, to throw in the towel. The marriage gets hard. I'm done. I'm just done. That statement is very hard for your pastor and and actually any brother or sister in Christ to hear. You know what, pastor? I'm just done. It's the temptation to quit or to throw in the towel when things get difficult. Oh, pastor, you don't know. We've been trying to get our finances together, trying to get ahead, trying to get out of debt. And this thing just broke again. And here's another bill. And you know what? I'm just going to charge it. I I quit. I quit. I'm done. Let's go out and get that big meal because, I mean, let's just do it because I'm done. You throw in the towel. Even in Christianity, I can't tell you how many times I've heard some version of this. Oh, I've tried that thing, God. I've tried God in church. You know, I went to church twice and I read the Bible for like an hour and, you know, it just doesn't work. Those people were mean. They looked at me sideways. I could feel them looking at me. And I read the Bible. It didn't do a thing. And you know what? I I couldn't get a parking spot when I came in and I circled around and I just, you know what? Forget it. I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm throwing in the towel. and, And what I would say is people like to just take their ball and go home. 
It didn't quite go right. It didn't quite fulfill. It's like, ah, you know what? I'm done. You know how it is. They didn't appreciate me. I'm not making that much of a difference anyway, pastor. This is too hard. I'm done. And you just throw in the towel. Listen, you can throw in the towel or you can pick up the towel and wipe the sweat off of your brow and get back in the daily grind of doing whatever you do in this moment for the glory of God. And suddenly you you realize the work is the reward. The prize is the process. And I can be grateful in this season of Thanksgiving. I can be grateful for every single day my feet are planted on this earth and I get to do the will of God. Grateful in the grind. Here's a little pet peeve I have. Graduation speeches. Graduation speeches. Here's the normal graduation speech. Have you ever heard a graduation speech? Y'all, y'all ever seen a graduation? Y'all ever graduate? Y'all ever, y'all ever breathe? All right, good. I'm going to get you to... The normal graduation speech is something like this. Follow your passion, right? Follow your passion. Follow your heart. Do what your heart tells you to do. Here's the problem, all you young graduates that raised your hand. Your passion doesn't pay the bills. Your passion doesn't keep the lights on. The problem with passion is that it's selfish. Passion is about us. Selfish passion is about us. There's a higher calling, and it's not selfish passion, but it's selfless purpose. It's a higher calling. And once you start to realize that you're doing God's purpose, what's so amazing is that passion always follows purpose. Instead of me being the starting point of what I need to do, what I want to do to be happy, instead, God is the starting point in whatever you do. And you do it for His glory. And you start to realize that in the middle of even what you may not have chosen, God still has purpose. And then you recognize that you're doing what God has called you to do even in this very moment. When you're serving His purpose, your passion starts to always follow His purpose. Think about Paul for a minute one more time. The guy was passionate about some things. You know, he was a regular guy, and I don't know, I don't know what it would have been. Paul probably had some passions. Uh, one of the things that Paul, it, it says in the Scriptures, Paul was actually a tent maker, right? Paul was actually probably pretty good at it. He made a living at it. They paid the bills and Paul would make some tents. Maybe he was passionate about the way he made those tents. Maybe he was, uh, maybe he was, uh, maybe he was a music guy. Maybe he liked music. You know, maybe he had a nice guitar and he's like, you know, putting his clips up on YouTube and stuff. And he's, you know, first you go to Justin Bieber and then, Hey, there's the apostle Paul. Let's listen to his song. It is lonely up here and you all need to laugh just a little bit more once in a while. But, you know, maybe it was maybe he was an art guy. Maybe he liked art or what were his paintings? You know, he's going to he's going to get get his art going or maybe it was the tent making. And, you know, maybe if he was today, he would be like, man, I'm really into this. or I'm into that. You know, some of you have passions like he probably had passions. He probably had things that he was passionate about. You know, maybe maybe for you, maybe if he was living today, it would be cars. Maybe he'd be into cars. You know, the Tesla. Maybe that's what I need to be happy. You know, whatever it is, Paul had his own passions, I'm sure. There were things that he was excited about, but what, what he was not passionate about, let me promise you, was getting beaten and left for dead. That wasn't something Paul probably enjoyed. 
I promise that was never on his list. Like, oh man, if I could get beaten and left for dead, I'd be happy. I'd be happy with that in life. But instead of pursuing selfish, self-centered passion, what he did was he pursued God's purpose. And suddenly he would say things like in Acts 20, 24, it was, he says this, he says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. None of my dreams, my wants, my only aim is to finish the race, complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me. We can say this, my only dream is to fulfill God's purpose. And what is that? The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. What does purpose do? Purpose helps us feel passionate about ordinary, seemingly ordinary things. Seemingly mundane, seemingly ordinary. It starts to take on meaning. Whatever I do, even if it's boring, Paul says, even if it feels insignificant, I'm going to do it for the glory of God. Some of you experience that this week. It seems insignificant or, or, or mundane, you know. Experience that when you're serving, when you helped pack over 500 boxes for Operation Christmas Child. You found fulfillment in that because you were doing it for the glory of God. It seems insignificant to take a shoebox, put it in a, a bigger box and close it up, right? It's mundane. Or you find joy when you're serving someone else. Let's say you, you just made somebody coffee and you give it to them. That's, you'll, fi- you'll find fulfillment in the mundane. When you serve in the children's department or whether you serve in a ministry here at the church, you, know, you realize that in this moment, God is using me to pour spiritual life into the emerging generation. How's that for a nice job description? What seems ordinary becomes extraordinary because it's not just a task, it's a purpose. Directed by God and passion always follows purpose. Paul gives us profound images throughout his letters. You know, he says he's running this race and not just running as someone running aimlessly. He's running in a direction. He says, I'm not boxing like someone shadow boxing. He says, I'm in a real spiritual fight and I run with purpose, Paul says. Paul says that every single step, this step is on purpose. This step is on purpose. Every single step is on purpose and for purpose. My word word of encouragement to you is on purpose this morning. Paul says, when I lift you up and when I show love, it's on purpose. I don't do anything half-heartedly, Paul says. Whatever I do, I'm doing it for the one who changed my life. Paul says, you know what? If you knew me before, you would think you're not good enough, man. I wonder if that's any of our story here today. When people would look at you and say, oh, no, 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 not that one. Let me tell you something. Whatever, however, and however you've come to this place in your life, Every single person in this room, God's grace is available to you. God's love is available. His salvation is available. And every single person in this room, you're not here by accident this morning. Every person, every one of you in this room have worth and value to God. You are his creation. You are his creation. And I don't care if you, if you look different, if you smell different, if you act different, if you think different. 
Every single person in this room has value to God. And he wants nothing more than for you to find that value in him. And for you to not be the same as you walked in. When you leave this place, don't leave here the same as you walked in. God's grace is for you even today. We find ourselves like the Apostle Paul a lot of times. You say, the Apostle Paul would say, you know what? I'm not trying to be the goat. Anybody know what goat stands for? G-O-A-T. What? Greatest of all time, right? We all know who that is in football. Don't say it. But Paul is saying, I'm not trying to be the goat of this world. I'm not trying to be, to be great by human standards. No, everything I do, everything I do, I'm grateful in the grind. And I am thankful in everything. And as I serve him faithfully, Paul says, in his purpose, the passion follows. Would you say the same for your life? That you're not doing it for yourself, that you're doing it all for him. And then one day you wake up in the middle of the mundane. You wake up in the middle of whatever it is mundane activity you think you're up to. And you're doing it all for God. And you wake up in the middle of the normal and say, God, I have experienced your love. And I am full of your goodness and overflowing with your joy. Because I've discovered that the work is the reward. And it's a joy just to serve you and to sacrifice for your kingdom. And the prize is in the process. You are with me, God. Your spirit is guiding me and strengthening me. And I am grateful in the grind. I'm finding joy in all things. Rejoicing always, God, because your spirit dwells within me. And you're working in all things to bring about good. So therefore, God, I am selfless. I deny myself. And I can be grateful in this grind. And whatever whatever I do, I'll do it for your glory because of who you are and what you've done for me. Will you be grateful in the grind? As you think about thanksgiving and being thankful, will you be grateful in the grind? If you'll do that, will you say amen? Amen.